With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm an early, early to bed, early to rise kind of gal. So just a little bit about myself real quick, and then we will get started. <laughs> I am the assistant here at Community Miracle Center. You can check out our website right there at miracles-course.org. And we are an ACIM-based church in San Francisco. So as I know some people... Get a little touchy about the idea of church and ACIM, but the course actually does mention church. And to me, it's just it's a way that we gather together and support each other in the spiritual journey. And so that's what I do. I do a lot of administrative work throughout the week. Um, I do a lot of administrative work on the weekend, too. Um, but then I get to teach occasionally, and I get to be a part here of ACIM Gap. My personal website is just kellyhallock.com, um, and I would recommend mostly if you're looking for a blog or a video to go to that. Um, if you're looking for an audio recording, either of me here on Gather or my teachings at the CMC, it's just go on iTunes. And if, if you search for my name on iTunes, it should be updated with my most recent talks. I'm not sure last week is there. But I think it's everything but last week is on iTunes now as a podcast. So if you ever miss ACIM Gather with me here for Life Reinvented, you can check that out. Or you can check out my website. And like I said, some of my stuff's there, but not all of it. Um, the iTunes is definitely more up to date. So last month we talked about forgiveness. This month we are going to talk about Freedom. Tomorrow is, for the United States, um, what they call 4th of July, and that's a, for us, it's a holiday. I guess everybody calls it 4th of July, but for us, it's a holiday, it's a pin, I'd say. And so this month, we're going to talk about freedom, and we're actually going to specifically focus on the holiday and the history of the 4th of July today. And look at some of the things that went into that through the lens of ACIM. So that's the plan. We'll do a little review on forgiveness in a moment, and then we'll jump right in with the holiday. So what I want to do, though, is start off with an opening meditation here. And just get us grounded, get us centered. Oopsie. There we go. Sorry, I lost my window for a moment there. Um, I always say, let you guys know what you, music I'm using today. This is um, Circles in the Sky. Um, I think I used either this one or a very similar one um, from the same album a couple of weeks ago. It's by Shajan, S-H-A-J-A-N. 
and its deep healing elements. And so we'll do our opening meditation to this. So I should invite you to take a nice deep breath in, and if you are comfortable and safe to close your eyes, I would invite you to do so. You can uncross your arms, uncross your legs. As I said, if it feels safe and you're in a safe place, you can close your eyes too. You just want to have a moment here of reflection, a moment of focusing in, centering in. Allowing yourself to become just wholly present at this moment. And so just take two more nice deep breaths in. And exhale out. Another deep. And then exhale out. Just invite you to focus in your heart center. Focus on the breathing sensation coming into the lungs, coming in, filling up the chest, filling up the abdomen. And then feel the air exiting through the body, from the body, back through the throat, either out the nose or out the mouth, whatever's comfortable. And just notice all the little nuances of movement as you breathe deeply. Often we think of just our body or maybe our abdomen and our chest move when we're breathing. But notice as you inhale, maybe your shoulders raise up a little bit and your arms that are attached to the shoulders raise up a little. And as you exhale, you notice that the shoulders and arms relax back down. Maybe you notice that you tighten your neck on your inhale. You could maybe tighten the throat up some on the inhale. On the exhale, you just notice the relaxation that comes into your neck and throat area. Notice the feeling of the flow of the air and any movement that's with your face as you breathe in and as you breathe out. Maybe you notice a little tickle under your nose as you're inhaling or exhaling. Maybe your jaw relaxes and opens a little more on the exhale. And then also take note of your continuing this nice deep inhale and exhale. Depending on where you are, depending on how you're seated, maybe your lower torso, the buttocks in that portion of the body, maybe it tightens a little with the inhale. Maybe it loosens when you exhale. Maybe you notice your back becomes a little more straight. And then the legs are feeling. Maybe there's no movement for your legs as you're inhaling and exhaling. 
Maybe there is a little tension and relaxation with each one. And just notice again how your feet feel. Again, is there any movement? Is there any sensation that changes? That rises or drops as you inhale and you exhale? And then allow yourself to just come back and focus in on that heart center, continuing to notice the breath, the inhale, the exhale, the rise and the fall. And notice that as we paid attention to each part of the body, this wasn't an exercise in making the body real. It's an exercise in being present with the moment. Being present with any sensation you noticed. You notice that I didn't say anything was good or bad. It was just maybe rising and falling, tightening and relaxing. And the Course says it's all we really have is the present moment. There is no past. There is no future. And so often we skip the present in trying to tie these. And so just by focusing on each part of the body, continue just to scan throughout your body. Notice different parts of the body as you continue to take deep inhales and deep exhales. Try to allow yourself to really stay focused on which part of the body that you're currently noticing. Rises. Another thought, another distraction. Just notice that and then return back to the body. Maybe notice the feel of your nose, the feel of your arms again. And with each thought, we realize that the thoughts of the past, the thoughts about the future, are all simply acting as distractions from this moment. And so you just keep coming back to your current experience of breathing in and breathing out, of consciously engaging with this life force, with consciously engaging in what some would say is the bridge to the spiritual or the unconscious realm. And just allow yourself to take another deep breath and begin to focus a little more on my words. If you've become a little more focused on your body, start coming back, listen to my voice. And I just want to offer gratitude and thanks for this time together. So grateful for all the opportunities we have to join, whether it be in person or through the internet. And I invite everyone to release any thoughts that things should be different. Release any thoughts that there's somewhere to be or something to do other than where you are right now. And we just affirm that we are holy children of God that we are trusting to guide and direct us today. 
to support us in this hour together. And so we just allow it all to be, and so it is. Amen. So go ahead, take a nice couple more deep breaths here. And instead of relaxing into that deep breath, you're using that deep breath now to loading yourself back so you're conscious and awake. Sometimes you might want to stretch as you're taking, maybe do a big stretch as you're taking that inhale breath. Maybe wiggling your toes, wiggling your fingers, whatever works best for you. Come back to here. <laughs> I couldn't stop the music for a moment there. We almost went into a second song. I was like, oh, no, that's the wrong song. That's um, actually the song I want to do at the end for the closing meditation. So, anyway, it is so great having you all here, as I mentioned earlier. Um, last month we were talking about forgiveness, and I'll say it has really... I'm hoping and trusting that it has been um, really a time of transformation to you. I know one of my friends is an astrologer, and he says this is like like huge amounts of energy right now that are supporting us in our spiritual journeys. And I really felt last month there was a couple of thoughts for me that I had heard before but really broke through. Um, and I really felt just brought me to a different place, a different perspective, a different level of peace. And I think I shared it, especially the last week, was the idea that forgiveness is not a verb. Forgiveness is not something we do. Forgiveness is a mystical practice that is done to us. It's almost like it's a third-party noun. If you read the section on what is forgiveness, it doesn't say, you know, when you forgive. It says, you know, like, when forgiveness does this, when forgiveness does that. It acts as a third party. And so if you didn't hear me talk about that, I think it was especially the last week, I would invite you to do so. Because the idea of not making forgiveness something that we have to power through, something that we have to force, something that we have to create on our own, really has been transformative for me. It's brought me a lot of peace. It's brought me a lot of calmness. And I'll say in opening up to that, it's also brought what many of us would call forgiveness into my life. Areas where I've been saying, I want to forgive this person, I'm suddenly finding I'm not upset with them anymore. And I really didn't do anything different except for I just said, I'm going to allow forgiveness to work and heal me and this other person. And it's really, that's, I would say, our key part of forgiveness is that willingness. It's the willingness to see things differently. It's a willingness to allow the Holy Spirit to guide us. You know, we talked that doesn't necessarily mean a specific type of behavior. Forgiveness may look very different in the same type of situations, but it's a willingness to follow guidance, to follow what Spirit would have us to do, and to look at it differently says an unforgiving mind or an unforgiving thought is that which will not bring things to question. We have to have that willingness. And so we talked about that extensively through last month. And like I said, I think personally for me last week, um, kind of pulled everything together in a way that really supported me. 
And so I would just invite you to listen to that if you have not done so so far. So as I mentioned, tomorrow is July 4th. That is Independence Day for the United States as countries go. Um, and I always, some people I know are big on holidays. Some people are not so big on holidays. My nephew, I will tell you, loves the 4th of July. He says it's his favorite holiday, even above Christmas. I'm, you know, I'm not even sure what I'm going to be doing tomorrow. I haven't made any plans. I, you know, didn't buy any fireworks or anything like that. But what I see all holidays as, what I see all holidays as is an opportunity to pause and reflect on a specific theme. And so, you know, at Valentine's Day, I reflected how am I expressing and experiencing love in my life. For, you know, Christmas holiday, I might focus on the Christ consciousness. Independence Day, looking at freedom. So I just want to give you a little history of the 4th of July in the United States as history goes, um, what has been our experience in this realm of the holiday. And then we'll go back and look at certain parts of it and just kind of look at some of the ideas of A Course in Miracles kind of, I don't want to say overshadowing, but um, compare kind of some of the concepts of A Course in Miracles with the history of the Revolutionary War and what has now become the, the Independence Day, July 4th. So this is, I got this from history.com. I just kind of summarized it and picked some, some of the bigger dates to kind of share with you here. Um, many of you are aware, you know, initially, you know, basically the colonists were, basically started to look at going into war with Great Britain. Now, one of the things I didn't find out was initially when that began, um, most colonists actually were not really looking for independence. They were just looking to be treated better that they did not feel that they were being treated well by the British. And so the colonists started trying to work against that. And then in, so it was like 1775, and they started having some fights, some battles against the British over, you know, conditions. And then 1776, going into it, early 1776, um, you know, people were starting to get upset because they felt Britain wasn't doing what they wanted Britain to do. Um, and there was then Thomas Paine, who wrote the, the pamphlet called Common Sense. And that became a real, I want to say channel, channel is the wrong word, but it became a big facilitating item in spreading the revolutionary sentiments. So Thomas Paine writes this pamphlet, it gets sold all over the colonies, and people, when they read it, start going, oh yeah, hey, you know, this, is, this makes sense. You know, this thing called common sense, this pamphlet called common sense, it kind of is common sense. This is cool how we're being treated, and we need to revolt. Um, and so that really kind of started the early 1776 momentum towards the United States, or which was, you know, not then the United States, but the colonies working their way to separate from Britain. Before they just wanted change. Now they want to look at separation. So in June, the Continental Congress, which was a representative of the um, different colonies, joined together, and they appointed a five-man committee 
to draft a statement that justifies vote. But at the time, on June, July 2nd, they didn't. And it's kind of interesting, John Adams, and this is kind of the start of 4th of July, this is July 2nd, John Adams says, this day, July 2nd, will be celebrated by succeeding generations as the great anniversary festival. And the celebration should include pomp and parade, games, sports, guns, bells, bonfires, and illuminations from one end of this continent to the other. And so John Adams was really excited. You know, everybody agreed that we're going to adopt this. And they have this vote. And then it's not until July 4th, two days later, that they actually formally adopted it. They had the vote, but it wasn't formally adopted. There was a little difference there between those two. And so on July 4th, they adopt it, which then becomes what we now celebrate as Independence Day. Now, it's kind of funny because John Adams did that quote about what July 2nd was going to be like, and he was kind of ticked. <laughs> I saw a better way of saying it. He was kind of mad, like, how dare they try to celebrate now on July 4th instead of July 2nd? Um, and so it's said historically that he would not go out on July 4th. People would be like, hey, come to the party, and he'd be like, no. Independence Day is July 2nd. That's when we agreed to do it. And so he actually went to, you know, party on July 4th with everybody else. Although it's now very interesting. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, karma can be crazy. John Adams and Thomas Jefferson then both die on July 4th or make their transition on July 4th on the 50th anniversary of the Declaration of Independence. So... You know, I think Spirit had a little laugh there that John Adams did not want to acknowledge July 4th, but that's the day he and Thomas Jefferson made their transition. And so, you know, the colonists are celebrating that this is what we're going to do, and they actually, a lot of them in 1776, held parties. And some of those parties would be concerts and bonfires and parades, and very much what John Adams had said um, it would be as they began to read publicly this Declaration of Independence. Some others took a holiday of, that they'd already celebrated, which was the birthday of the King of England, and decided we're not going to celebrate the birthday anymore. We're going to have a pretend funeral. So some of them, instead of necessarily celebrating this new declaration, said we're going to pretend that the king is dead. We're going to focus and pretend that the king is dead. And they were partying and Two years later, in 1778, George Washington doubled the, the rum allotment to all his soldiers. I'm like, that's one heck of a way to celebrate. He doubled the, doubled the rum. A um, couple years later, 1781, Massachusetts became the first state to actually make it an official state holiday. And then a few years later, they really are starting to have consistent 4th of July celebrations in many of the large cities. Now, these celebrations are put on by the Federalist Party, and it's put on by the Democratic-Republican Party. 
So the Democrat Republicans were one party at this time. Them and the Federalists would put on parties for the holiday, but they would have the parties separately. They had the Federalist Party, and then they had the Democrat-Republican Party. They didn't, you know, celebrate together. But it continues in 1812, the War of 1812, where again fighting Britain. And so people become even more patriotic and more excited on July 4th. 1870 becomes a federal holiday. And then it takes all 70 years, but after the 70 years, then the federal employees actually get to be paid for that holiday. Um, and it's just continued to grow. So that now it's kind of, you know, a lot of focus since the late 19th to now, the 21st century. If you think about Fourth of July, it tends to be more of a leisurely day, possibly, maybe not going to work. More of a day of enjoyment, of entertainment, time of get-togethers, barbecues, fireworks, what have you. And so that's kind of the, you know, fasty overview of 4th of July. And, you know, we're not going to touch on all that, but I said 4th of July with a little bit of ACIM influence. Now, I'll start off with a lot of people, like I said, yeah, it's celebrated as Independence Day. We're going to be looking at the topic of freedom this month, which are pretty good sounding things, aren't they? That sounds pretty darn good. But what we tend to do, I think, as people in the human experience, um, as people with egos, we try, we know that there's a dark side. We know that there's a shadow to this. And we just simply try to ignore it. And I think the ego does that a lot. You know, because if you don't bring things to spirit, if you don't bring things to the light, they can't be healed. They can't be dispelled. And Course talks about, you know, bring your troubles to the to Holy Spirit. But Spirit likes to hide. And so, you know, let's be honest. Independence Day, July 4th, when we said, you know, historically, you know, I'm acknowledging, and I, I always say this on this program, I recognize, you know, the Course teaches this world is an illusion. Um, I think of it like we're, in the, we're almost like the characters in God's dream, um, you know, it's that kind of idea. And yet, I do, I'm talking from a point of we have the experience in this moment of being in bodies. Whether they're real or not, that's our experience. And as United States people being in what we call the United States, we have the experience of this holiday that has a certain history attached to it. Now, you know, it's illusory. We could sit here and say it didn't really happen. And yet, as we are on this path of being, experiencing a, a body, we have a memory as if it did happen. So, sorry, I'm listening. Somebody just rang the doorbell outside. I'm like, who's here? Um, so that's the, the position I'm talking about. I'm not saying these things historically were as they, you know, I, you know, I don't even know if John Adams existed. What I can tell you is that I have a memory of somebody telling me that John Adams existed. You know, so we're working from that position. But the history, as we have been, you know, told, or as, as we experience our thoughts about the past, is that this was a declaration of independence. This was a declaration of freedom. 
This happened after battles had already been fought and generated more battles. And we're not talking like a battle of the words where people are going like, neener, 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 I don't like you. You know, it wasn't that. This is, you know, brutal, gruesome. I'm going to attack my brother because I'm feeling attacked. I'm going to kill his body before he kills my body. I'm going to, you know, whatever. And keeps going in that way. And so we have to look at this and say, you know, there is this underside. Now, some people will argue that war is always bad. We should never, ever go out to kill our neighbor. We should never attack our neighbor. We should never feel the need to, be, to, to defend. You know, those are all coarse concepts. And I'm not debating that today. What I'm saying to you is, is that what we know of our, what we perceive as our history has a very gory side to this holiday. And we also look at it as that is my understanding of what happened. My understanding of what happened. It's my understanding of what history has been told to me. And whether it does or does not happen, I think everything in our lives, everything in our experience, when we look back at events, the one thing that we cannot do is cling onto the event and make it become a part of a story about how this happened or how that happened and it was so wrong. I'm going to grab a little quote here. Um, This is chapter 16 of the original text. It says, for the special relationship is an attempt to reenact a past and change it. Every such choice is made because of something evil in the past to which you cling and for which must someone else atone. By seeking to remove suffering in the past, it overlooks the present and its preoccupation with the past and its total commitment to it. Do not underestimate the intensity of the ego's drive for vengeance on the past. It is completely savage and completely insane. And I didn't pull it up, but there's another quote that says, you know, what would you do if you but knew that everything was gently planned for your good? And there's quotes about that the Holy Spirit takes our creations, our illusions, and transforms them to support us in our journey. And so it's like when, we, when we're looking at this section, you know, this particular passage, you know, when I'm focusing on the past and when I'm saying, oh, this is wrong, this should not have happened, it's talking, that's going into that ego. And it says the ego's drive for vengeance on the past is completely savage and completely insane. We can learn from what we know. But to be angry and judgmental and trying to change what we think was the past is absolutely insane. How are you going to change the past in this moment? You know, you can maybe change the spiritual energy that you have towards the past. But in terms of what experiences you think have occurred, you can't really change them. You know, a couple months ago, I had what seemed to be ankle surgery. As much as I can say I'm not a body, every time I look down, there's a line on my ankle. 
And so I accept it. I don't say, oh, I shouldn't have had that surgery. That surgery was bad. Da, 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 da. I just accept. It's what it was. And I don't get crazy in trying to hang on to that past experience. So that's kind of a little blip just on the backgrounds of, um, onto the background of the, what was I going to say? Onto the background of the, oh, of the background history on it. Now, it's interesting that Thomas, I want to say Thomas Paine, I'm just going to say, yep, Thomas Paine, P-A-I-N-E, you know, he writes this pamphlet, and it becomes a big moving force, becomes a big moving force towards independence. Now, I'll say, I don't know what his thoughts were when he wrote that pamphlet. Maybe he was just writing a note to a friend, and the friend said, you know, maybe you should share this a little bit. And next thing he knew, everybody was asking for it. You know, that's how a lot of YouTube videos get popular. Somebody will post a YouTube video just being stupid, doing something silly so they can show their family, and next thing they know, they have a million hits. He may have had no intention of starting a revolution per se. He may have just been writing it to write it. Or maybe he was planning on trying to change the mentality of the country. We don't know. But what we do know is that based on the stories we've been told is that his words change the energy of a nation or move the, change the energy of the colonies. It changed what people thought should and should not be done. You know, science of mind talks a lot about words are creative. Now, I'll say I don't believe when they talk about words being creative that they necessarily just mean the words we're speaking. I think that's talking about what the Course calls the prayer of the heart. But the prayer of our heart, the energy and the intention, is often manifested through our words. And the words that we put out there, even if they might not reflect our heart, if we verbally or through writing are sharing words with others, that is an exchange of energy that could change them. And so it's something we need to consider, not to just be flippant with our words because they don't matter. The Course's words don't matter. Words are symbols of symbols. But recognize there's an energy behind the words that reflects your heart. And if it doesn't reflect your heart, it may still be an energy that affects someone else's. Yeah, I heard once, I was worried, but I'll give you a couple examples. Somebody said once, you know, the waving of a feather in California affects the weather in Japan. The waving of a feather in When we say words, when we drop words, their effects may be much more far-reaching than we ever anticipate. We use or not, we don't know. 
but his words did become a catalyst. And so we need to be mindful of our words, not only for ourselves, but understanding that currently we are having the experience of brothers and sisters and, you know, others around us. And if we are expressing love to them, part of that is a consideration to not become a stumbling block before them. Now I mentioned, so they, 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 they come together, the Congressional, or Congressional Congress, that's not wrong, <laughs> the, the Continental Congress comes together, and the first thing is they don't just act off emotion. They don't come together in June and say, we're pissed and Thomas Paine told us we should revolt, let's go out and start, you know, attacking everybody. What they did is they paused. They paused, and they looked to those of wisdom, they saw who had wisdom, and asked a collective group to basically process on behalf of them, to come up with a document that reflected the thoughts of the nation. I think the Course a lot of times says, you know, we just read the What is Forgiveness section last month, it talked about you don't need to do anything. What you need to do is stop and listen for guidance and do what you're guided to do. And I'll say I believe both the committee did that and that they didn't just jump in and act, you know, weren't reactive. But instead of being reactive, they paused to listen to who they saw as wise elders, as a committee of people to give them guidance and to give them clarity. And there was one person, I believe it was New York. I could be wrong. It might have been Massachusetts. I think it was New York, though. New York chose a different path. New York initially, I'm going to say New York because I think that's what it was. New York initially said, no, I'm not agreeing. I'm not going to agree. I don't think this is the right. And yet they did change their position later. And so I think just that whole experience of calling the committee together and then having someone say, no, that's what we need to be doing in the course community. Let's pause. Let's reflect. And if we don't agree, it's okay. If you're guiding, if you're following what you believe Holy Spirit has guided you to do, that's okay. But we do it with humility and we do it with respect. We do it with humility. We do it with respect. What I didn't read was them saying, oh, well, if New York ain't going to you know, vote our way, then, you know, we're going we're gonna to kick New York out. You know, it, it wasn't that. It was like, okay, he disagreed. We're still going forward. And then New York was also willing, on the second part of this, to change their mind. That they were willing to say, I'm going to change my thoughts. I'm going to go a different way. I'm willing to have a different experience. And I'll say, that's what we got to do. That's what we got to do. So much of the time. We believe we're led in one direction, 
And then we dig our heels in. I'll say Los Angeles for me was that. I was bound and I was so excited. I finally had the dream, the job I thought I had always dreamed of. And I was, you know, really excited to be de doing some work and taking care of some different things and this and that. And then the longer I was there, ego ran up against ego. Love became disguised and hate was taking over. Anger and hurt and arguments and defensiveness. You know, there was all these things and power plays and, you know, lots of weird stuff going on. But I'll say what my response was, was, I don't care. This is where I'm supposed to be. I'm digging my feet in and I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going to change. I'm not going to do something differently. And I think York here is a really beautiful example of saying I'm going to choose differently. I followed one thing and now I'm going to fo follow something else. And I believe that they were respectful of New York while they were, you know, at different odds. Uh, workbook 139 says, fail not your brothers or you fail yourself. Look lovingly on them that they may know that they are part of you and you of them. Oh, this is a different section. This atonement does not teach and demonstrate. We'll come back to that. Sorry. <laughs> um, we'll come back to that for a moment. The one person that did not want to change their position was John Adams. John Adams had decided that he was not going to participate in the festivities. He said, I'm not, I, I don't care. I'm, 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 I'm sticking my feet in, and either it's July 2nd or I ain't playing. And so, of course, that one section I just was starting to read, and I didn't quite finish, says, you know, does the atonement teach and demonstrate the oneness of God's Son is unassailed by his belief he knows not what he is. This is section two, or this special topic, which is what is forgiveness. It says, an unforgiving thought is one which makes a judgment and that it will not raise to doubt, although it is not true. The mind is closed and will not be released. Let forgiveness show you what to do through him who is your God. So I think there's two parts to that. You know, I don't know why John Adams was bound and determined that it was going to be July 2nd, and if they weren't going to play his way, he wasn't going to play at all. You know, we talked last time, actually I guess it was two weeks ago that I talked about forgiveness. Last week I talked about red flags to um, indicators that you're not in forgiveness. And we said one of, the, one of the flags was that you get bound and determined not only to question you're, you're like, I'm not going to question my thoughts, but I'm going to build up barriers, and I'm going to wrap myself up in chains of thought that are going to just absolutely bind me to my story. And that becomes a point of unforgiveness. Do you think Sean Adams, someone who we see as a founder of our country, would not celebrate the freedom and the independence that they were experiencing. Not because he didn't agree with it. Not because he thought we should have stayed with Britain or anything else. 
But because, gosh darn it, it was 48 hours late. It was 48 hours later than he thought it should be. And so he would sit by himself and not celebrate. Now, I can't guarantee that was the wrong thing to do because I don't know what guidance he received from Holy Spirit. But I will say it doesn't feel right to me. It doesn't feel right to me because it seems that he said, I am going to not look lovingly on my brothers and I'm not going to act in oneness. I'm going to ignore that they are part of me and I of them. They can celebrate out there on the wrong day, but I'm not taking part of it. And there's an energy to that, that to me, that says, he got a little stuck in ego there. He got a little stuck in ego. I may be right. You're wrong. And there's a lot of really amazing things that we saw. You know, Thomas Paine, you know, wrote this little pamphlet, ended up changing the energy of a country. John Adams chose to separate himself. And so the question is, is, you know, maybe he was following spirit. And if that's what spirit told him to do, it's great. But we need to look at, are we failing our brothers? Are we failing ourselves when we make decisions and grind our heels in? Are we feeling the guidance of Holy Spirit? Now, there was another big, and I kind of mentioned this when I was talking about, there was another big separation that was going on. Shortly, very shortly after this all started, we had just come together as a country, come together, you know, historically as a country to gain freedom. And within less than 20 years, not only is John Adams not willing to celebrate, but even those who are celebrating the holiday have separated themselves out. They have the Democrat-Republican Party, and they have the, I must say it was the Federalists. I just lost my notes. <laughs> yeah, the Federalist Party and the Democrat-Republican Party. So less than 20 years after they came together for a common cause, they cannot manage to come together to celebrate together. I don't know what the reason is for that, but what I do find interesting is that one of the parties is the Democratic-Republican Party. Democrat-Republican Party. Well, guess what we have today, a little over 200 and 240 years or so later. I don't, I've heard there's still some Federalists around maybe here or there, but we, Federalists aren't a big party. But what do we have? We have the Democrats and we have the Republicans. So this party that separated itself out from the Federalists then manifested separation within itself. Think of that. As they exhibited, after they exhibited separation from others, they said, you're going to have your party and we're having our party. Once they started projecting separation outward, given 
time, as we see it, they then experience separation internally. The Course talks about a lot. You can't see your brother one way and see yourself differently. If you see your brother as holy, you're holy. If you see your brother as a sinner, you're going to question that you're a sinner. If you look at others with hatred, you're going to feel hated. Whatever you express outward, you will begin to experience inward. It's all a projection of what's there. And so this party's, you know, Democrat-Republicans separate themselves from the Federalists in their celebration of independence and their celebration of freedom and their celebration of joining together. They separate themselves into two separate camps. And then they separate internally. You cannot project something outward and not experience it yourself. You cannot project something outward and avoid experiencing it yourself. That's the saying, what goes around comes around. When they experience separation, first they separate, as a, actually they separate originally from Britain. They said, we won't be separate. We won't be independent. Then after they gained their separation from Britain, they separated Federalists versus the public, de, Democrat-Republican. And then the Democrat-Republicans also separated internally. It becomes a cycle. As you separate yourself from one, you begin to separate yourself from everything, including yourself. And so today we approach it a little different. Like I said, we tend to kind of just ignore all that. We ignore the background story to Independence Day. And what we focus on now, largely more so, is the idea of self-care, taking care of ourselves, enjoying the day, having fun. There are some people and there are some places who it is still very much um, a remembrance of um, the military action that led to Independence Day. And that followed Independence Day. A lot of us, you know, now just kind of need to take, you know, look at it as a, a fun holiday. And yet I would say to you, within that fun, you need to also remain open to your brothers and sisters. If your brother says, you know, the Course says, you know, if your brother asks for something outrageous, do it, because it doesn't matter. And I think a lot of times we do things and think, well, I don't care what my brother says or does. Well, and ultimately in saying that, you're saying, I don't care about my brother. And you're saying that these things do matter to you. Because you're refusing to listen to your brother. And just be sensitive. For some people, even just a 4th of July holiday can be emotional. Maybe there was someone who they believe transitioned in active service to the military. Maybe someone has like a post-traumatic stress disorder. I would be in the bedroom hugging my dog and make sure she doesn't get too frightened. 
And yet we look at this holiday as a chance to reflect, a chance to think about the freedom, a chance to think about being one with our sisters and brothers, releasing those concepts of, you know, does freedom mean we have to be free of something? Or can we be free within the whole? Can we be free within love? And so I just invite you to, on kind of a little closing meditation here, and just, you know, as we approach tomorrow, just consider what the holiday means to you. What can we learn from it? What can we change in our own lives? What are we guided by spirit to do and say? This song, the background music is called A Call of Compassion to Humanity. It's part of the music as meditation recording. Just get yourself comfortable. Just do kind of a short closing meditation here. Take a couple of nice deep breaths. If you're able, you have your eyes closed if it's safe. And just allowing yourself to kind of focus into your heart space. We covered a lot of different topics, a lot of different thoughts. Just kind of give me a Course in Miracles perspective to the history of the 4th of July. Or things that happen related to the 4th of July more so. And just notice if there's anything maybe that rises to the surface for you. Is there anything that resonates that maybe brought up a thought, brought up a memory of something that maybe you would like to change? That maybe you are feeling led to take specific actions, specific steps in a given situation. Allow yourself to know and accept that whatever happened, whatever incident you're thinking about at this moment, is in fact done. It is in fact over. And yet the choice you make, the guidance you can receive, is how you move forward today. What things can you celebrate that have come out of maybe what seemed to be a war? What relationships that maybe have felt severed can you extend love and experience oneness? with is there someone who maybe you see that you have thoughts about that you've been unwilling to change 
And maybe you're willing to release those now to allow yourself to have a different experience. Like the one person of the Continental Congress. Maybe it's time to choose again. Maybe it's time to do something differently. And so open your mind, open your heart, and just allow spirit to come in to know that you are free. You are not a sinner. There's nothing you need to regret of the past. You just need to be willing at this moment to follow the guidance that you receive going forward. That you can extend love in this moment. Knowing that you are a child of God is the ultimate freedom. Is the ultimate release that could ever be. And so just allow yourself to open up. Recognize that the chains of bondage that you might feel you're experiencing... As we approach tomorrow, that you allow those chains to just fade away. It's almost like they crumble and just completely dissolve. Setting yourself free, setting all others free. You allow forgiveness and love to work through you. And we just send love and light to all beings sharing the blessings with all, and so it is. Amen. So thank you again for being here with me on Life Reinvents. Like I said, today was a little different because we talked about, you know, the history of Independence Day, the history of 4th of July, and some of the thoughts and things that maybe arise towards it, and maybe some of the things we can learn from it, and we can apply to our own lives, as we have this time of celebration for many in the country of the United States. And so I hope you join me here next week. We'll continue talking about freedom. We're going to talk a little bit more um, as the coming couple of weeks, more about personal freedom and really looking at how to feel free and how to be free in the life that you're living. And so I'm here every Monday at 4 o'clock Pacific, 7, cent, or 7 Eastern. Um, Reverend Tony, who's the senior minister at Community Miracle Center, is here at 5 o'clock Pacific, 8 Eastern on Sundays. And he's actually going to be the speaker for this next Sunday gathering. So 11 o'clock Pacific to Eastern on Sunday, we will also have our Sunday gathering. And that includes songs and meditation, and Reverend Tony will be speaking again this week. And as I mentioned, if you'd like to go hear any of my other talks, you can go to my website, kellyhallock.com, or I always recommend, if you're just looking for the audio recordings, iTunes is a really good option. You can get the podcast, and it will notify you each time I do some new uploads. But that has the most complete library of all of my talks. 
So thank you so much for being here. I send love and hugs to all of you. And hope to see you next week or Sunday in the meantime, because I'll be on the audio for the Sunday gathering. So maybe I'll see you then, too. Take care and God bless. Bye-bye. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.